What's up? We are live. Welcome in Cannabis Insider, episode two of the week, episode five million of the show. Who knows? I'm sure it's on Apple somewhere. I feel like it's episode 322 and a half or something like that. You got Javier Haas, Elliot Lane here to bring you the coolest people in cannabis every single episode. We got some financial uh, and advisory professionals with us today, uh, just chatting about the industry and what they see as it compares to to quote-unquote normalized industries. But first and foremost, we're always going to go through the news. But Aaron Thomas, get us started, man. Let's go. We are here, ready to go. Javi, what's up, man? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Now I'm, I'm just scrolling YouTube till the very end of our feed because I'm very curious to figure out when we first uh, streamed our first show. Dude, this was in reaction to COVID. We were like the first people to, to start some virtual content. Uh, yeah, not, that was all you, know. you, by the way. <laughs> no, no, that was all Jason Rasnick. That was our CEO's brainchild. A little oh, history nice. lesson for everybody watching. It was Jason, our CEO, and Patrick, who really was leading up the cannabis space for us back then, who started this. Jason oh, immediately ooh. said, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this. That's fine. So Javi and I started subbing in, and eventually Patrick was like, peace, I don't have time for this. He, this I can promise you. Show. Elliot it's and Javi have time. July 16th, 2020. July 16th, 2020. I told you. Reaction to COVID. Brian, what's up, man? Peace. How you doing? Thanks for dropping into the chat. Appreciate you. Javi, I know our news site's going through some troubles. If you want your news for the day, check out Benzinga's Cannabis Daily this morning. I uh, had some good, good Canadian stock news for us today. Canada sales, Javi, up uh, pretty significantly this month. Checking out new Cannabis Ventures article on them, up 2.6% sequentially. And the year-over-year -year revenue increase um, was up month over month as well. So I think they were up some 12.6 or nine or something percent like that. Regardless, in between 12 and 13% uh, up year over year for their monthly nice. record of sales. So Canada, not looking terrible. <laughs> I look at stocks to watch and I see BZAM, who reported their second quarter this morning, and Tilray, who announced two beverages that they announced, and both are down some some nine percent each, and I'm like, well, they've been up. They've been up. <laughs> they I have mean, been up. Bzam has been up been for a bit. On the up and up and up and up. Yeah. So Ooh. I mean, honestly, Canadian stocks are probably the most volatile today. Uh, SNDL also down. Uh, maybe Three. no. Maybe it was just SNDL and Tilray. That's right. No, no, Bzam was down nine percent. Thirty six percent in the last month. So yeah, yeah. Tilray's had. A, I mean, they had a great quarterly earnings, dude, and yeah. their acquisition of. Uh, who, who what, brands. which uh, beverage yeah, company in Canada? Canada? Like eight, eight beer brands. Yeah, eight beer brands, and then they acquired somebody in Canada. I mean, they're just they're just going on the beverage side. Who knows? Maybe Boris Jordan will be right with what he said last year's Chicago event that beverages will be fifty percent of the market. Whew. I hope so. I like Maybe. It. Javi, what Maybe. are you watching today, man? What's on your mind? Slags earnings. SLGWF. Slang Worldwide reported a revenue decline of 14.5% year, year over year for Q2. Um, I, was... still, I still like Slang between you yeah. and me. I still think Slang, um, I, I think they're doing that operationally efficient uh, restructuring. Uh, they're, they're in the midst of it right now. So that's not super surprising. Obviously, not a great number. But, no, but I do like their brand portfolio. Like 
Here's yeah. what I do like. Remember on Tuesday we were discussing um, gross margins and how every company was seeing a small decline in gross margins. Well, Slang is seeing the opposite, nine percentage points up. They had a 43% nice. gross margin um, in Q2 of 2022, and now they have a 52% gross margin, um, which I think is among the best in the industry. That's solid. That's really solid. So, I mean, if they keep that up, we should see a turnaround relatively quickly. Uh, in the but, next couple yeah, quarters. I just did even a still negative. I'm not a big fan of that. Gross profit mm. down. Uh, big They're not loss. a huge company, though. Adjusted yeah. EBITDA for a company that's small could go either way, depending on how they're trying to grow. So they are expanding into some smaller states, right? I think, were they the one in Maine or New Hampshire? Some northeastern state that they're, you know, putting their flag into. Um, I don't know, but keep an eye on Sling. They could, this could be a reversal uh, to watch, a uh, rebound. And then I was, I was watching a uh, VEX Science today, V-E-X-T-F on the OTC uh, bet, better results a little bit, you know, uh, Q2 revenue up 4% uh, to $9.2 million, nothing too big, but on very good gross profit, uh, profit of $2.7 million, um, gross margins insanely down. They were at almost 70% last year. They're at 29% this year, this mm. quarter. I mean, Vexed, has, Vexed again, an, another brand play, I think. They have some physical assets. They're looking at Ohio pretty strongly, which uh, I think is I think has a really high potential yeah, yeah. To, to be a and very strong state money. if they go wreck. They're making money. Net income after taxes, mm -hmm. half a million dollars, adjusted EBITDA, one million. It's it's down, but... Yeah, they're, they're just EBITDA was the worst part of their report. But that being said, it's still positive. Um, so something to look at there. Brian, when is the last time Boris has been right? You know, it could play out that Boris is right on Germany if, if things go his way, because Curaleaf yeah, might get a really big boost from that. Only time will tell, right? Many of these predictions are long-term, right? Saying, you know, what one might be wrong, you know, day over day, quarter over quarter, but maybe, you know, when, when you look at it over the longer run, I'm not saying Boris is right or wrong, but, you know, we have also made predictions like, you know, this industry will go up. Now, to me, the time from is five years. The time from for beverages is 10 years. You know what my prediction is? That Javier is still going to be the best journalist in cannabis. Read all of his news at Benzinga.com slash cannabis. That's right. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, keep writing in, man. Appreciate you. I hope Jamie's watching. She dropped some great one-liners on us in the chat on Tuesday. Oh, Hot dog water. I'm not going to forget that. That was great. Hey, Javi, tell me a little bit about this Weed Maps and Freak Brothers partnership. What what is this? I love that. I love that. So so you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that you know the Freak Brothers. It's a, a stoner comic series, and uh, you know, it's been around for like 55 years or so. And yesterday, they they partnered up with Weed Maps M A P S on the Nasdaq for season two, and their idea is to further destigmatize and celebrate weed culture in a very mainstream. Hmm. environment good good partnership for weed maps that's actually true cool not gonna Great. lie didn't know much about the freak brothers just learned something and i might go tune into yeah. that awesome yeah. all right man so we covered some stocks today i think you know really i think the canadian stocks are going to continue to be the the story of the rest of the week with SNDL tilray maybe see a bounce back tomorrow um yeah. for some so of those 
Oh, but Skynet. I mean, now I'm now I'm stuck with the Pete uh, the, the Pete brothers, the Free Brothers, because I mean, if, if people don't know, this is a, an animated show. Now it's, it's it launches an animated show, fifty something years after it was originally released as a comic, and it is voiced by Pete Davidson, Woody Harrelson, Tiffany Haddish, like a bunch of very high profile actors and actresses who have been very overtly uh, pro cannabis cannabis lovers we know woody harrelson has his own dispensary actually his own brand the woods consumption lounge amazing place in la if i make it to la i think that might be the first one i go to and i want to go see the the, the artistry i'd like to go spend some time there oh yeah um I don't, javi maybe we should do like a benzinga to la like benzinga takes la for a week well after mj biz maybe would you all watch that content drop a one in the chat if you would care for that content if benzinga takes on uh, a little bit of L.A. cannabis retail. I mean, I, I had to go to L.A. after Vegas last year because the flight back home was $4,000 in economy from Vegas. So I drove with some friends to L.A. Ow. And then Oh, my God. That hurt my soul. Flight for $900. Like Did an you say $4,000 from Vegas to Argentina? Yes. And here's another one. I was, oh, I was getting God. my flight for the Chicago conference from Argentina, and I checked Delta. The cheapest flight in economy was four thousand dollars. Premium economy is eleven thousand dollars, and business is twenty six thousand dollars. Delta, they better be broken. serving you liquid freaking gold. That's what insanity. I could buy like you could buy a few diamonds for that. <laughs> five, to be precise. <laughs> I checked. I, I checked last week. Diamonds, he checked. Is $5, diamonds. Like, Plane tickets. How many pre rolls can you get for eleven thousand dollars? Your your guess. Value pre rolls. Craft pre rolls. Javier is actually going to answer this question. I mean, that's incredible. Wholesale or retail prices? <laughs> wholesale. No, no retail. Retail. Who cares about wholesale? Retail. I'd say about three thousand. Three thousand pre rolls. You could get three thousand fun evenings. For the cost of one plane ticket from Vegas well, that, to Argentina. That is if you're a heavy smoker. To me, a pre-roll. You might as well just move to Vegas at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, you're done. Just sell all your stuff in Argentina. Put it on Facebook Marketplace. Just stay, stay, in, stay in the Venetian for a few years. Oh yeah. Well, what? One more, and let's get to our. Let's do it. Yeah, I agree. Guys. We're just like we're going having fun over here. But, you know, there's a very interesting article on Benzinga.com/slash/cannabis for you to check out after this show and it's all about Fellini the director and his LSD journey how LSD inspired some of his best most famous movies com slash cannabis very cool that's a cool story I'm gonna check that out too all right so y'all without further ado we're gonna bring on our guest for today please welcome Jeremy Sikarski from Armanino partner over there let's bring him on over Aaron Thomas Jeremy, this is your chance to correct my pronunciation of your last name. No, nah, per perfectly good. Yes. Perfectly good. Yes. Perfect. Good to, good, to, good to see you both today. And uh, I think your math is spot on, uh, uh, Javier. You know, I, I think it's roughly about 3,000. And uh, I about fell off my stool here uh, in the office, uh, here, in, here in the cost of, of Vegas to Argentina there. I mean, oh, my man. God, you better get a T-bone like to your, yeah. cooked to I'm, your perfection. 
I've got Vegas a lot of inappropriate analogies that I would that I would throw in there, if, <laughs> given that you're leaving Vegas. But we'll leave it with a T-bone. Yes, Jeremy, appreciate you being with us, man. Give us a little sense of who you are. What do you do, man? Uh, tell us about Armanino. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a partner with Armanino. We're a top 20 CPA and consulting firm uh, working in the business advisory space. Um, got into cannabis about six years ago, um, uh, which is an industry group that I help to lead. Um, I think one of the things that makes us unique in the market is is really being uh, full service. Um, so we do both audit tax as well as consulting services for uh, for cannabis companies, um, where we work with uh, a lot of competitors are out there that might do one or maybe two of those things. Um, but really the wing to wing capability that we're going to bring to uh, to cannabis operators, um, uh, as well as the investment community really is is unmatched. Um, so the area that I focus on mainly is around technology as well as strategy. Um, and a bit, as I mentioned, been in the space for six years and uh, love to see how far it's come and uh, equally excited. Uh, you know, Javier, you were talking about the long game, you know. You know, if you're looking at quarter over quarter results, certainly, you know, kind of mm -hmm. current results have been a little painful and, and maybe not what we all want for the industry. But um, the long game continues to be incredibly exciting uh, with more and more uh, opportunities for adult use coming online here uh, throughout the course of this year, next year. And who knows an election year coming next year? Who knows what else is going to is going to happen, um, especially up and down the eastern seaboard where you're we're seeing more and more activity. Let me let me ask you something for clarification. Has Armanino been in the cannabis space for six years, or you personally? Both. Both. Okay. Why do you take that risk, right? Like a top twenty-five accounting firm, right? We haven't seen much of that, right? Especially six years ago. Like, why do you take that risk? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, it's it's perfect timing. I just hopped off of a, a monthly partner call, and our CEO, uh, who's been with the firm fifteen years. Um, and has been leading us for six or seven years uh, as CEO prior to that with COO, he will always say we are unapologetic about growth and we're constantly looking for what we call weak signals in the market. So what are those things that might be coming up that might turn into something um, rather significant in the future? Um, we're, we're incredibly impatient with status quo. Um, and so, uh, you know, years ago, California was considering uh, adult use. Colorado had just legalized. Um, there was discussion in other states as well. And we said, hey, um, given our expertise in, in what, what I would call tangential uh, industries, you know, things like consumer packaged goods, food and beverage, et cetera, hey, is it, is it a logical move for us here? And what's our risk appetite? Um, and so we went through a, a, a lengthy process to kind of look at it and say, hey, is this something that we, we ultimately believe we can do um, and, and be protected legally? Working with our insurance carriers, et cetera, general counsel, outside counsel, et cetera. And then landed on, you know, yeah, um, and if we're going to go in, let's not dip our toe in. Let's uh, let's dive straight into the deep end and and figure out what this thing is going to look like and and more importantly let's let's put our fingerprints on it let's help shape this industry, um, and we did that through bringing in some some phenomenal experts to to join the firm and building partnerships with software companies, um, and uh, excited to be helping a lot of companies across really all aspects of their business. All right, let's dive in on a little bit of the tech side, right? So, what type of technology goes into what you all do? Yeah. yeah, just on an operational standpoint, then I'd like to ask you a little bit about technology, broadly speaking, in cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. So from a technology perspective, we we focus on the office of the CFO. So it's a lot of the back end uh, components that uh, that are going to help make your, your business work and work efficiently. Um, you know, and, and we always joke that this office of the CFO is kind of like there's the badge of pride that a CFO will wear. It's kind of like the, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. You know, historically, it's an underinvested area, but especially in complex uh, businesses like cannabis certainly can be if you're vertically integrated. 
Um, you know, you've got everything from cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, warehousing, retail, you know, et cetera, you know, e-commerce, you know, delivery, you know, you could see how all of a sudden this becomes incredibly uh, complex and, and the complexity can compound on itself. And how do you cut through that and make sense of it to be able to have not only solid data um, from a transactional perspective that support things like your tax filings and position there, but how do you have it, uh, all of those systems work in a way that gives you near real-time data to make the most effective business decisions. And so uh, we were fortunate that we're a big Microsoft partner as well as Sage Intact. Um, as I'm sure you guys know, not every large software mm -hmm. company out there works with companies or, and especially ones that touch the plan. Oh, yeah. And we're fortunate that our software partners do. Um, and we were able to bring uh, you know, uh, some best of breed solutions and then look also at how we integrate those. How do we take tangential systems or periphery systems and integrate them so we're harvesting that data into an ERP and making good sense of it for management teams to, to make the best decisions. Mm, I love that. Can I ask one follow-up question? Yeah, then okay. I'll, I'll do two. Sorry, I normally don't talk over Javi because his questions are way better than mine. But I do just want to ask, when it comes to your work with a CFO, um, you know, you just dove into what you all do. But can you give me a sense from your perspective, what makes a good CFO in the cannabis space? Like, give me like the ideal person working in this space, um, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it's, you know, how they do their job or whether it's the experience they bring to it. Um, I just love to learn a little bit about your perspective of what seems to be right now the most important C-suite position in a cannabis company. Yeah, hundred percent. The best CFOs that I've seen in my you know twenty-five year career as a consultant, and then you know in the last you know six years working in cannabis, they're the ones that that bring um, relevant experience, and I call that relevant. You know, in a, in a perfect world, it's industry experience. But look, six years ago, the, there wasn't as much industry experience. There certainly was from the medical side, but not not more broadly like there is today. And so. You know, what are those relevant experiences you bring, whether it be from food and beverage, you know, consumer packaged goods, et cetera, uh, to the industry? And most importantly, it's, you know, are you able to drive your management team in a way that focuses on the core of the business and then eliminates the noise? Meaning you've got good teams to take care of that. You leverage advisors where appropriate, but really, really getting down to the business fundamentals to say, are we focused on what is ultimately core to this business, especially in today's uh, today's uh, climate uh, relative to cannabis, you know, looking at, you know, we need to sort of cut, sustain, and then and then weather the storm, uh, if you will, um, to make sure we come out the other side well positioned for future growth. And the CFOs that are um, that are really focusing on the core of the business um, are the ones that I think are going to continue to be leading the pack. Now I, I want to go back to tech, um, and I have I two love questions it. for you. One is. You know, you were talking about some of these partners, right? Like, like you know, uh, working with Microsoft. Uh, but, but many in the industry have argued that this is an industry that requires, you know, a little bit of more of a catered solution, right? Like custom solutions for the cannabis industry. Where do you stand on on staff uh, on software solutions? You know, mainstream, out of the box solutions versus these very specific, like ERPs or CRMs for cannabis. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, this goes back to this is the age old debate from I, I'd be willing to bet if you go back, you know, you know, 50, 80 years when the first ERP was kind of rolled out on a mainframe. And, you know, you have the, the debate uh, back then that continues today, which is, you know, do you take something that is more of an out of the box ERP that gets 80 percent of the way there and does that really, really well? Or do you do something more customized, best of breed that gets you 100 percent of the way there? And there's a cost uh, trade off to each of those. The, the reality is, I think it's really a hybrid of both. And with the, um, 
with the interoperability of systems today, you know, being able to integrate, being able to move data, being able to push data into warehouses, et cetera. I think it allows you to do that in a more effective way. Um, I think your baseline ERP from a, from a CFO perspective, I think a lot of the, what I'll call off the shelf uh, systems, you know, the Microsoft, Sage Intax, et cetera, do a phenomenal job in that respect. But you've got to take a hard look at your business to understand, number one, how are you capturing your requirements and the do and fit gap? Hey, can this system really do what I'm expecting it to do? Or, you know, are, are, or the, is the sales team I'm interacting with conflating that a little bit? So really getting down to brass tacks and doing a really, really good job at your fit gap. Um, and then from there, when something doesn't fit is having that honest opinion. Uh, uh, that honest discussion around it saying, hey, this doesn't fit well here. What will solve this business challenge for me? And I think that, again, going back to your question, Elliot, around CFOs, the best CFOs I've worked with historically are the ones that can stare that down well. Anytime you try to slam a square peg into a round hole, it ain't going to work. Uh, and it's no different in this industry as well. So I think I think that is certainly an, uh, something that, that uh, you know, the audience could certainly keep in mind as they're looking at how does their tech stack ultimately support yeah. operations today and where they're trying to get to. That's fantastic. And I have the follow up and then, and then I'll let Elliot maybe close it up. But um, AI forecasting, please explain. Develop. That's where I was going to go. Elaborate. Yeah, so clearly, <laughs> you guys, clearly guys you, you've been doing your homework because if you go to our website, you'll see um, we talk about a solution that we've rolled out recently, which is a 13-week rolling forecast that's enabled by a uh, AI. Really, what we've done is, you know, if you look at, you know, good FP&A uh, professionals in the past, you know, they're going to be, you know, leveraging various tools, techniques, et cetera, um, to be looking at a rolling cash forecast, which, you know, cash is so important in this business. Um, looking at a 13-week rolling forecast, but it could be incredibly manual. And so we've developed a solution that will take your banking data, ingest it, use AI to tag it, and then roll that into uh, into a real-time dashboard that allows you to see uh, where you're at, where pivots need to be made, um, sort of where the alarm bells are going to start ringing. Um, and it could be alleviating a lot of that manual churning that you would normally have to go through. All of that's being done on the back end by an AI solution now, which is uh, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing to see. Are Neil Hamilton and Ryan watching this show? <laughs> we certainly hope so. Um, so, Jeremy, yeah, I'm going to take this a different way then. Can you talk to me about your experience in other industries? Maybe Armanino's just experience in other industries. Uh, a dual-sided question here. First and foremost, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know cannabis versus CPG, cannabis versus tobacco, cannabis versus pharma versus alcohol. Which I mean, which is it? Is it all of the above? Uh, I'm curious. Like from your perspective, from a financial performance auditing perspective, where does cannabis sit most similarly uh, to those industries? Uh, and then, you know, just generally the, you know, what's your take on this industry versus other industries? Yeah. Well, my take on this industry is I love it. There's a reason I got ah. into it. There was a reason I was passionate about it coming into it is I think there's so much opportunity here. Um, you know, I've described other industries that have been, uh, that have been involved within the past as perhaps awkward teenagers. Hey, we're trying to figure out how, what we're going to be when we grow up. Um, and, and I think cannabis is starting to enter that point. You know, when I, when I got involved with it early on, you know, it, it was incredibly nascent from an adult use perspective. And, you know, it was kind of like this, it was the gold rush, you know, Hey, everybody's getting in, everybody's uh, thinking that, you know, you know, the, the clouds are going to part and money and, and pre-rolls are going to fall from the sky. Um, and, and certainly there have been periods of boom, and there's also been challenges. Um, but, you know, as, as an industry, it's one that as a firm, we're incredibly bullish on and incredibly uh, optimistic for, you know, where do I personally, and this is Jeremy speaking here, think it most aligns to, I think it still comes back to, um, 
you know, looking at consumer and packaged goods. If you look at the flow from taking a raw material and turning it into something and then having it sold in, in a retail establishment, um, that most, most clearly aligns to what you commonly see in consumer and packaged goods or a sub-vertical of that would be food and beverage. And so a lot of things, uh, the fundamentals around, you know, hey, how do we manage supply chain? How do we manage distribution in the most effective way? How do we manage forecasting? Then on the retail side, how do we manage our stores and our and you know, cash collections, et cetera. You know, all of those things, you know, as we looked at coming into the industry, um, having less experience, um, like everybody coming into the industry, um, really, you know, hey, what are those skills that we need to be bringing in, cultivating, growing, et cetera, in, in the firm? It became really apparent to us that that's really what we needed. We needed supply chain experts, you know, um, you know, to get steeped in this area. We needed folks that were experts at warehousing and distribution. We already had a bunch of, uh, experts on hand uh, that had run incredibly large scale retail uh, organizations in the past. Um, and then really looking at once you pop the hood, how do you then make sure we've got people process technology and data to support all of those needs that we know our clients are going to have. You know, to close it up, I, I want to like look a little bit into your past. And I know you had some experience at Deloitte. That was one of the, the few firms, you know, bigger firms along with Armanino and, and, you know, Ernst and Young that, have dipped their toes in, in cannabis. Uh, what do you foresee for the future in terms of, of the big accounting firms? What does it mean that these firms are in cannabis now? And what does like why do you think that the other firms are not in cannabis now? Yeah, you know, the we we've had lengthy debates internally about, you know, hey, with EY being more active as well, um, and now Deloitte, um, you know, certainly if, if they're if they're starting to come into the market, really, you know, through a lot of their their operations in Canada, but if they're starting to come into the market, you know, they're they're on the sidelines. Um, I also think that's an incredibly positive sign for the industry, where they have been incredibly risk averse in the past and saying, "Hey, we will work with, don't want to work with plant touching organizations." Some have even said, "We don't even want to be working with peripheral components of the industry, etc." Um, I think the fact that that you've got two of the big four now that are um, that are more vocal, that are more active in the industry, um, I think it's a sign that you know this industry is here to stay. And it's going to continue to grow. So, um, while I, I I firmly believe we're we're the best in the industry when it comes to accounting and advisory, the fact that that we've got the big four sort of what I'll say nipping at our heels and thinking about coming into the industry, I think it's a validation that there is a significant amount of potential to the point where they can't ignore this anymore, and they have to be looking at what are their strategies around it. Jeremy, we really appreciate you being here today, man. Armanino, I mean, truly, like you and, and a few other firms uh, have, I think matured the space to say the least. So your work is very vital, very necessary. And we appreciate you all for what you do. Um, anything else you'd like to leave with our audience? Any thoughts on the industry at large or, or anything we didn't cover today? Call hit, hit me up. Let's talk about how we can get AI to help you with your, with your cash, uh, cash forecast and, uh, yes. and, and weather the storm together and, you know, more, more good things to come for this industry. So excited for it. Amen. Jeremy Sikarski, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate you, sir. Check out Armanino, armanino.com. Uh, check out Jeremy and his work. Appreciate you again. We'll see you soon. Got it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, Javi, I learned a lot from that. I loved it. <laughs> I just so got cool. schooled a little bit. I enjoyed it. I loved it, man. This is, well, this is the end of my voice today. Seriously, I'm... though. Yeah, okay. Well, Javi did say he's going to lose his voice sometimes. <laughs> this episode we made it you, through you don't have to do the ccc promo today bzcannabis.com what's going on mr elliot lane oh bzcannabis.com we <laughs> probably have one of the best agendas we've ever had we have every major lp 
every major MSO will be speaking. We have Governor Pritzker, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. Uh, from the from Illinois and the U.S. Virgin Islands, respectively. Um, former Congressman Ed Perlmutter, former Congressperson Cory Gardner. Um, it, it just keeps rolling, and, and we keep adding. And what's really exciting to me is we're showcasing the next round uh, of up-and-coming businesses in this space as effectively as we've ever done. Uh, so you'll see new opportunities. You'll see new companies that are nipping at the heels of these larger MSOs. And I cannot wait to put them on stage with these oh, larger wow. MSOs. It's going to be seriously amazing content. Check it out, bzcannabis.com. Elliot20, E-L-L-I-O-T-2-0 for, uh, for a little discount code to get in there. Uh, but check it out now before ticket Not prices little. go up. Big discount code. It's a pretty good Thank discount you. code, right? It's you just have to listen to the podcast to get it. Uh, don't share it with your friends. It, you Share the podcast with your friends and let them get the discount code from me. But y'all, do us a solid. Share this with your friends. Tune into Cannabis Daily. Share that with your friends. Head out to benzinga.com slash cannabis for all your daily news. But with that, we're done. We're yes, set. Have a phenomenal week and phenomenal weekend. We will see you in Chicago for our next event. Woo. See you on Tuesday for our next episode. Until then. Peace. Peace.